Whoops, I had my mic on the whole time. Were you guys listening to me sing? That must have been awful. And let me tell you how awful it would be. The last time we sang that was at Brother Bill Adams' funeral, and I led it, and it was a nightmare. It was noise, all right. And a funeral, I don't know. It was partly joyful, yes. <laughs> it was terrible. Half of us were singing the modern one and half of us the old one, and I kept going in between. Which one? I, blah, blah, blah. It's bad. Thank you. For those of you who don't get that, that's what, if, if Bill was sitting here, he'd be going, Yay. Anytime I said worthwhile, which happens twice a year maybe, it goes, yay, little joke. I'm going to have to be really old school today because uh, I don't want anybody to get a crick in the neck. The back has the verses. I'm only going to have you turn around once to see something because visuals won't work invisibly. I'll tell you when. Uh, But uh, we need to make use of the Bible if you want to make sure that I'm not making any of this up and that uh, you're getting it straight out of the scripture. So if you use the one in the pew, uh, if you're adept at finding your way in your own Bible or on your phone Bible or whatever, it's Ephesians. Uh, The uh, sixth chapter is the text that I'm using. And uh, in the book, it's 1173, page 1173, especially if you're brand new at this and finding your way around the scripture. There's some of us that are newer at it, and I want to let you know exactly where it is. I know this morning uh, we have been in a series, and if uh, you're visiting, you need to know we've been going through kind of a famous subject called the Ten Commandments. Uh, Some of you have heard of that, and uh, the, the instructions of Moses, because they are quite relevant for us today. And it just so happened we were able to connive and manipulate, in the best sense of the word, my series, so that today is... Honor your father and your mother. Amen. Isn't that perfect? Yeah. So dads get to freeload on mom's day here a little bit. But I'm going to be speaking to both of us as parents. And that's why I picked the title, which I know is evoking all kinds of crude movies. Uh, meet the parent. Because there's meet the parents, meet the all these terrible. I don't recommend that. I'm a movie buff, but yeah. Many of you are thinking about dinner. Okay, good. Stick with me for just a few minutes if possible. Here in the New Testament is the command about honoring father and mother restated with a little bit of extra fleshing out. So page 1173, chapter 6 of Ephesians, verse 1. Children, oh, I'm going to make enemies today. Teenagers, kids. Oh, did he have to preach on that? Yes. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. All the parents said. (laughs) Some of them are saying, oy vey. (laughs) Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. That's a quote of the promise out of the Old Testament. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Famous text, right? We used to talk about the discipline and instruction, the discipline and admonition of the Lord. It's the old way we would say it. 
And uh, it's fathers and mothers, by the way. They're together. The reason in that culture it addresses fathers because it was a male-dominated culture very much, especially in Rome. So that's the, that's the context, if you will. So before we jump in, let's ask God to help us, illumine our minds. I feel like this is um, that which we need the spirit to speak life into our inner souls, right? Because the way I prayed a few minutes ago, I really feel strongly. We are in kind of desperate days. And uh, I know I've talked to many parents with little kids, and I've got grandkids on the way. I've got one on the way ready to, almost ready to pop out. That's what I always used to say. They just pop out. Not, yeah. Yeah? Have you been in the room? Yeah. Actually, I was in all five, counting with my wife. All of that. I did all of that. So I will repent. They don't just pop out, but one of them did. <laughs> You worry about how are we going to navigate this, right? Sometimes. So, Father, help us today, illumine our minds, instruct us, lead us in the paths of righteousness for your namesake. Lord, you can speak life to all of us, those who are parents, those who are not, those who are spiritual influencers, moms and dads in Christ. Would you edify us? Build us up in our most holy faith. Strengthen those who hunger and thirst after righteousness because you say they will be filled. So let it be so. We pray in the great name of Jesus. Amen. So I was thinking about family, mom and dad, some of the visuals we get from movies, some movies I won't quote. One of my very favorites is the great story at Christmas time of Ralphie with the BB gun, right? And there's a father and the mother that are like classics, right? Every time the father in that movie, now most of you have known that. If you haven't heard it or been aware of it, um, it's this very gruff dad and this very nurturing sweetheart mom, and they get along, and it actually works. And uh, every time that father, remember the scene where he falls down the stairs because he trips on a, like, some skateboard or something going down the stairs and he's, who closed the damper and he's yelling and carrying on. I don't know why, but my wife always laughs at that part because it like reminds her of somebody. Okay. And mommy, her approach, they got a little brother who won't eat. Mm, Meatloaf, beetloaf, I hate meatloaf. Remember that? My mother's approach was more subtle. Mommy's little piggy, show me how the piggies eat. And he takes the plate and he's... Everybody at the table's going... (laughs) He did eat it. It did work. Here's the point. There's a little of all of us in all of that stuff. You know what I mean? Not that severe. But we're all kind of quirky here and there. You make friends, you grow up, you bring your friends home, they think your parents are a little quirky. Funny thing, you had the same thought about theirs. Stuff like that. We live in a world of brokenness. We are not perfect, we're broken, and yet in spite of that, there's a very profound reality about what God has created in male, female, and the resulting family that comes out of it. So there is a clear word, and I can't uh, click through and show you, but trust me, here's what the verses say. Okay, one of them is the main text out of the Old Testament. It's in Exodus chapter 20, and it's also restated in 
Deuteronomy chapter 5. Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God has commanded you that your days may be prolonged and that it may go well with you on the land which the Lord your God gives you. You have a note taker. If you're a note taker, there are places to fill out a thing. The first thing is that there is a clear word about this. There's a very clear instruction. And what it's referring to is the value of our parents, right? The value, it's simply the word there, to honor, which is quoted in the New Testament as well. It uses a word that means to place value on something. Like, this is worth more than that. I, uh, it, since I've been down at, at Harmony, I've had to deal with personal stuff in my family. I had to liquidate my aunt and uncle's estate. I had to sell everything in their home and get rid of it. You know what it feels like when something is of great value and you can't get it for it? Oh, it drives you crazy. This is of much greater value than that. And it's to place value on Several times a year, we take time, and it's in the papers, and there are ceremonies that we honor and value our veterans, people who have served, put their lives at risk, and some have given their lives in order that we might have life and freedom, right? You know that in those contexts, we place value on those people. That's why they do the freedom flight down to Washington, D.C., and all of that. We're placing value It's an attitude before an action. When we read on your father and mother, immediately we think about obedience and spanking, right? Well, maybe not. It got real quiet all of a sudden. What? Maybe that's what we think. But it really is a value, an attitude before. And by the way, all the commands, I've said this before, make sense because they are designed to coach us to do what is built in us anyway. Children want to please their parents. You ever notice that, little kid? Now, you may be in a phase where you're not feeling that so much. We have the terrible twos, sometimes the teens, whatever it might happen to be. But deep down, that's what they want to do. That's why, mommy, mommy, look what I made for you, blah, blah, blah. And it goes on the refrigerator. And we say it should be in the Louvre. Not, but it should be in the Louvre, you know. We get that. They want to. That person who gave you birth, who gave you life, who nurtured you and more, I'm to value. Simple. Straight up. Let me read another text. This one is in the book of Leviticus. You can just listen. Leviticus chapter 19 very interesting. Each of you must respect his mother and father. And you must observe my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Huh? It seems totally out of sequence, doesn't it? Honor your father and your mother. Observe my Sabbaths. I am the Lord. You know the expression comes up. Oh, how did that get up there? Sorry, I just got scared. You'll find out why in a couple of minutes. Anyway, here's, here's the thing. The expression, I am the Lord, is attached many times to verses that are commands about the value of human life. You shall not put a stumbling block in front of the blind. I am the Lord. You shall rise before the hoary-headed. For those of you who don't get that, this is hoary-headed. Get up. No, I'm kidding. So, 
You shall rise. Be- what is it saying? Rise before the aged. I grew up. I don't know about you. I, I lived in New York City. I used to have to take public transit. Thankfully, my mom, who, we come out, you've heard me talk about it and pray about it. We come out of a broken home. It was very difficult. It was hard. I'm grateful for my mom getting me through life with very limited resources. She trained me on a few things that I am very thankful for because I've passed it on to my own kids. You'd get on a bus and an elderly Man or woman would get on, you got out of your seat and let them sit down. You do that today, they stare at you like you got bananas coming out of your ears, right? No, there's something about that. And in spite of all the opposition to kindness, people still take notice of that kind of thing. Rise before the hoary headed. And there's a number of commands like that. Because I'm holy. And this commandment section where it says, respect your father and mother and observe my Sabbaths comes right between I'm holy, so you should be holy and don't have any other idols or other gods in your life. Why? Because there's something about the profundity of mom and dad reflecting the nature of the ultimate parent. Meet the parent. Is that making sense? He gave you life. He nurtures you. Meet the parent. He is your savior. There's a connection with that image of God and the creator, the life giver. Now, here's the thing. If mom and dad matter, here's a shock. So do you. Some of us lose sight of that. People who are so hopeless, we face attempts at taking our own lives and things like that. What has fallen out of the bottom I matter to God. I had this profound moment. I was, I was actually walking through um, a training session in, uh, in our dojo up north. That's in my karate school. And uh, they were talking about certifying me to teach and all of that. And there was this profound moment where one of the, the sidekicks to our instructor said, I saw our instructor confront a little girl one day who was allowing nasty things to go on and said, you know why I want you to learn how to defend yourself? Because you matter. Your life is important. Man, if Christians can't get that, oy vey, right? That is something we need to communicate, that you matter. Not that you're the center of the universe. That would be wrong. But that you matter. Your life does matter. Your life does make a difference. If your parents are to be honored, one day you're going to be in their place and you have to matter as well. The more I keep burying relatives and I'm down to one left out of all of our family, the more I recognize I'm at the top of the ladder. That's pretty scary. I sure hope my life matters. (laughs) And it does. Let each of you respect your mother and your father. Your life matters And there's something about this giving of life and nurture that spills over into this relationship with the God who made us. I just happen, I don't do this very often. I'm reading this morning in the Psalms because I'm in the daily Bible. I'm not rubbing it in. I'm way ahead of you. And uh, I'm not. But I'm in one of the Psalms, one of the Messianic Psalms about David is writing it as though he's the Messiah. But one of the statements it made in that psalm, from my mother's breast, 
You nurtured me. You taught me to rely on you. Do you hear that? You taught me to rely on you. There is actual reality in that, right? That our sense of being and security comes in that mothering that happens between the mom and the child. There's something securing. You've taught me to rest in you. I'm learning about the ultimate parent but what, by what I'm experiencing in the, in the life experience. That's why, because of that connection... Um, mother and father wounds can be so profound. So I don't want to park on anything negative today, but I simply want to reference um, my friend Gary called me recently. Those of you who remember Gary coming here, and he's the one who has a ministry to those who are gender conflicted. And, um, and people really rallied about that. And he may be back in a month. I don't think I want him here, do you? Actually, I do. But the program that they utilize is called Living Waters, written by Andy Comiskey, who started it, uh, Desert Stream Ministry, references this about our sense of self and well-being and that uh, security in knowing who we are, a sense of identity. Here's what he's talking about in the opening chapter, which is about Jesus and the real self, getting real. Because, brothers and sisters, if Christians don't get real, we're missing it. I mean, I've met non-Christians who are more real sometimes. The whole picture requires relationship with the master designer himself. Who am I? In his great love for us, Jesus lays claim to who we truly are. Listen, he alone knows who the true self is. He alone can call forth that self. A kid joins a gang because he doesn't know who he is, and he thinks, this is who I am. I'm a gang member. No, you're not. You were never designed to do that. God had something else much better in mind. You matter. Sorry, I'm preaching a little, right? Glad you're here. Oh, don't encourage me. No. Don't encourage me. Jesus alone possesses the knowledge of that true self. We see ourselves only in part. He sees us in full. Now listen, often our self-portrait is composed of damaging brush strokes applied by others or by our own distorted efforts to create a self. So think of the profundity of mom and dad in a life. So I just spoke very positively about the blessings I inherited from mom. I even inherited some blessings from my dad. Although his negatives way outweighed the positives, I did inherit some blessing. And I inherited much more from my mom. But even my mom wasn't perfect. Guess what, friends? We're all going to get it wrong somewhere. Can you be okay with that? You have to be. You have to be. In Christ, he has made everything that's inadequate in me adequate. So don't, I don't, when I preach like this, I'm afraid. We're never going to get anywhere right. I'm going to get over. You are going to mess up. Yay. (laughs) But you're also going to get a lot right. And God can help us. This is an aside. This is my sidebar little touch of ADD. 
I was fatherless. I didn't have a model to show me how to do it. I'm going to tell you what I did. I cast myself entirely without reservation on the mercy of Jesus Christ, said, show me how to do this, and he did. He's the living God. He will help you. But I've got to lean on him. I've got to lay hold of him. Lay hold with all my might. And he will help me through that. So mom and father wounds do happen. They're often powerful and they color my view of who I am. I just think it was amazing. Last night, the timing. I just happened to watch that profound spiritual TV show, Big Bang Theory. <laughs> and it was the... It, it, I think they might have planned this on purpose. They had the day that... Sheldon's mom and Leonard's mom meet. All you sinners who watch Big Bang Theory, it's like everybody in here. Thank you, Jesus. There's hope for this church. All right. (laughs) Who has more fun than people? That's what my wife always says. Oh, my gosh. What a scene, you know. His, uh, Sheldon's mother is this kind of rabid evangelical, you know. And, and Leonard's mom is this cold, calculating, brilliant psychologist who figured the best way to raise this one son, not the other one that she dotes on, but Leonard, never giving affirmation unless he get a fat head or something like that. I'm like, oi, they, how can you all get it so wrong, right? They butt heads, they have a fight and all of this. And the mom, that is Leonard's mom, has an epiphany and says, maybe I have parented wrongly here. You know, like, come here, Leonard. Yeah, you saw it. She goes, come to mama. He comes and they're barely touching each other. She's like... Well, that made up for it all, didn't it? (laughs) But there's more truth than fiction in that, isn't there? The parent that can never be pleased. The parent that never says no. Either direction. So, there's a clear word about honoring this wonderful gift that God has given to the human race. And he wants to give us a healthy model. So now it's time for you to look over your shoulder and see the typical family in America. <laughs> I thought, so which one is you? Pick yourself out. Who are you? I like Wednesday, actually, you know. Why, honey? Why are you dressed in black? Did somebody die? Wait. That's her answer. You know. No, but, but man, there's a little of me in there. <laughs> Anybody get what I'm saying? That's what it feels like sometimes. Uh, that would not be our healthiest model, but we do look to and learn from our parents. So let me just read a couple of things that relate to this issue of mom and dad working together. The passage that we used as our text today in Ephesians chapter 6, children obey your parents, yada, yada, yada. The verse just before is the whole beautiful section on the marriage relationship. Husbands love your wives, right? And it ends with these words. It goes like this. How, uh, you know what? Before I get to that, let me read where it all came from. Genesis chapter 2, chapter 1 and chapter 2. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife. They will become one flesh. Chapter 1, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. 
Adam and Eve being the model, if you will. By the way, I just got to tell you, I may have to take a drive to Quebec. There's a seminary up in Quebec. This magazine just came this week. This week was full of revelation for me. Seminar on the subject of origins. Anybody want to go? Should get a bus. Presentations from four international experts in exegesis and biblical interpretation. These are quality evangelicals, okay? Believe the Bible to be true, to be the word of God. Three different exegetical positions regarding the creation account in Genesis. (laughs) Two, ready for this one? Defense of the historicity of Adam and Eve. I want to hear that. You know, you're always idiots. If you, that was Sheldon's, Sheldon's uh, mother. The, Leonard's mother basically called his, his mother superstitious and ignorant and everything else. Yeah, all of us are jerks who believe that that actually can be defended scientifically, right? We're all idiots. No. I'm going to drive to Quebec. I have four seats in my car if you want to go. God created man and woman. And the scripture tells us that the husband will leave his father and mother. Did you catch that phrase? Leave his father and mother and cleave. The word there in the Hebrew is a description of superglue. He will superglue himself to his wife. Now that helps us, for example, when... Children have struggles with how do I honor my father and mother when they're violating my space? Anybody know what I mean? I mean, sometimes you can't please your father and mother. So you've got to come to a point of release and forgiveness where you can say, okay, this is about as good as it's going to get and do the best you can with it. But I remember I dealt with a family that the parents would not let go of the daughter. They were still trying to control her entire universe. Do you think that marriage lasted? Can't. That is breaking some of God's principle. He shall leave his father and mother. Now they're together. They're plowing a new path. It's their job to raise their children. One day they're going to have to make the same decision. Let go. Cut the apron string. There's something about that modeling, because that's our second point, is it not? First one was there's a clear word, and then there's a healthy model, not the Adams family. (laughs) Although, I, anyway. So, a healthy model is husband and wife love each other. They model that for their children. Here's what Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33, just before our present text says. However, summation of the whole thing, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So I've lived through all the years of the 60s, 70s, and 80s, all the effects of liberation and everything, some of which have been good, some of which have not. I think we've lost sight of some things. We're so hung up on certain issues that we lose sight of the basic principle for marriage in Christ is that the husband, agape, this is speaking to our wiring. It's not about politics. It's about our wiring. Husbands, agape love, like Jesus loved the church enough to lay his lifeblood down. Love your wife that way, you may find that she likes it. 
Wives, respect. The word is phobia. Phobia, from which we get fear. To reverence, to fear, to respect. Why? Because there's something in our wiring about what we need from each other. God never intended abuse. God never intended misuse of authority or anything else. So learning to respond to one another makes all the difference. Let me tell you one of the things that I think is terrible modeling. I have on occasion sat in restaurants and I've seen a group of ladies together who are very well healed. It's obvious by all the Pandora. (laughs) Hey, my wife has Pandora, okay? Back off. I hope he got you Pandora for Mother's Day. But if he didn't, Maybe you don't like it, but anyhow, here's my point. All decked out, driving really nice cars. Their husbands are providing abundantly for them, and they're having a kvetch session about how stupid they are, their husbands. Ooh. You know what the Old Testament calls them? Cows of Bashan. Look it up. Come now, you cows of Bashan, who call to your husbands, bring me a mixed drink. I'm so important, you know. I have to have my nails done today. And anyway, he rebukes that disrespect. That's what it is. It's disrespect. Show me how that is honoring God. It's not. That's different than getting counsel and trying to sort through issues because marriages have issues. That's different. On the other side... (laughs) You knew that was coming. Here it comes. One of the great uh, men's ministry guys was writing. I can't remember who it was, but I remember specifically the absolute irony of a group of men who had committed to going to a, a conference for men to be better husbands that was scheduled for Valentine's Day. Here's the right response to that. Uh, That's called missing the forest for the trees. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Love your wives. Respect your husband. Believe me, it actually works. And out of this comes healthy gender assessment. That's the issue of today. We learn about sexuality. We learn about our gender. We learn about our sense of being. A lot of that comes from our parents. Not always, because sometimes others have to fill in. I thank God for the godly men who poured into me, because I needed it. And some missed it, missed the opportunity, if you will. So gender does matter, and God ordains modeling to help us. Let me just read one more thing. I'm going to make it short today so you can all go out to lunch and have a wonderful Mother's Day. Everybody said, Amen. Image bearing, Andy Comiskey goes on, means our relationship with God needs to be lived out in real life-giving relationships with others. Jesus never intended Lone Ranger Christianity. People, I won't even get into the argument about church. That'll come on the Sabbath commandment. But how we need, we need desperately for people to rub against us. I mean that in the best sense. I need somebody who says, I had a brother call me last night. I think that was a mistake for you to say that. And I went, you're absolutely right. It wasn't anything I said this morning. 
<laughs> yet. Who, who said that? Image bearing needs to be lived out in relationships with others. We need union with the one whose image we are called to reveal in order to love others well. Alive to the true self. That's a whole concept we don't have time for this morning. But we build false selves, don't we? Oh, yeah, this is my image. What a bunch of nonsense. And you think it works. (laughs) Anyway, it doesn't. Alive to the true self, certain and secure of his love, we grow in the freedom to make peace with our own gender and that of the other. Part of that freedom has to do with acceptance of who we are as male or female. The true self accepts the call of the creator on his or her life to embrace the gift and the challenge of the opposite sex. One of the healing moments in the conferences I've been to, who are those groups like Living Water who are working with people who've been trapped in homosexuality and lesbianism as they're striving to honor God and move back to what the Bible clearly says. Have I been clear here? Is there's a moment in their healing process where they have to respond to the good gift of the other. The other. You follow what I'm saying? I'm male, you're female. I have to respond to this good gift of the other. That might mean I need healing. That might mean I need forgiveness or I need, need to give forgiveness because where God wants to bring me is, this is a good thing he created. Can I embrace the gift of the opposite that he has given me? It sounds obvious, but it's not, especially today where we're fluidly going from one to the other. We're so confused. But I need to embrace what God says and receive the good gift of the other. That is a whole ministry of healing that is happening. I don't know if we're ever going to get ready for that. It's the future. It's the future of the church in America to see God heal. So here's the last thing. A useful virtue. Oh, everybody's going to hate this one. Ephesians 6, 1 and 4, the verse we read at the beginning. Let me just read the beginning and the end. Children, obey your parents and the Lord. This is right. And then the other side. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Moms and dads, don't provoke them to anger. Years ago, there was a, a ministry that the leader kind of went out into the, uh, got off the reservation. But some of you may remember Institute and Basic Youth Conflicts. Anybody remember that? Yes, ma'am. Way back, right? And the Basic Youth Conflicts seminar was very useful. Let me just give you the first three things this brother walked kids through. The first three things were this. Self-acceptance. How many of us are still carrying stuff we don't want to accept? (laughs) Now get out. Right? But am I okay? This whole idea, which is really profound, that I am accepted in the beloved. That doesn't mean everything's good about me, but that I'm accepted in the beloved. Self-acceptance, number one. Number two, establishing a clear conscience. There's a forgotten idea. A clear conscience. I can actually live with a clear... I can actually sleep at night. Sometimes. Establishing a clear conscience. Here was the third one, and this is the useful virtue I'm talking about. Developing a right relationship with authority. 
We've had a 30-year war against authority of any kind. And because of it, we're paying some of the consequences. Can authorities be corrupt? Yes, they can. Can they make mistakes? Are there times to resist authority? Let me be clear, absolutely. However, no authority and no re right response to it is destructive. Self-acceptance, clear conscience, right relationship to authority. And this section will be useful, especially for younger moms and dads right now. Um, we don't have to hand it off. Anybody remember the old expression, wait till your father gets home? Now, we struck that from our vocabulary. <laughs> We're not going to wait till father gets home. There are resources that can be helpful for you, but I want to just give you a couple of pointers out of the text. Years ago, as I was processing some of this myself, I listened to a, a series by, and, and it's unfortunate where some of his history has gone, but Charles Stanley, you ever heard of him? And uh, he did a series, this is back 25, 30 years, it was called Keeping Your Kids on Your Team. Mm, see, hear that? Mm, sounds good. One of the principles, he said, got to teach your kids. And he had several that were really fun. But one of them was, teach them the principle of sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. You harvest what you sow. I've told you about my old friend, that good old southern boy, A.B. Blaze, probably with the Lord now, from Tucson, Arizona. You used to say to me, well, maybe it was D.O. Hendricks. It doesn't matter. He was also a southern boy. Yay, sister. You can't go sow your wild oats and then pray for crop failure. Stanley said, teach your children the principle of sowing and reaping. It will teach them not to jump off a bridge just because everybody else is doing it. And it works. I want to please. It's built in. I want to please my parents. So parents have an obligation to make it easier for the children to respond to that. And that's why we have this instruction. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Well, I don't know. I mean, you're arguing with God. The problem with all the Christians I run into around in places is you're arguing with God whether you want to obey or not. I'm so tired of it. I get weary. Make up your mind. Are you a disciple or not? So, the word is hupakuo, never mind, in Greek. It means to hear. Here's how we used to say this word, heed, right? Heed, you hear and heed. You listen and obey. It's a righteous thing to do. That's exactly what the word is. It says, if you heed your parents, it's right. It's righteous. Okay, so that's what you need to do as much as you can. If your parents tell you to go rob the circle, okay, you don't do it. That's a time to stand against authority. And it sounds so obvious, but you know there are terrible things going out in the world today that parents are making their kids do. Lord, help us. Here. Now, let's move on. Fathers, mothers, don't provoke to anger. Simple word to translate it. Frustrate. Don't make it impossible. Don't be the ever not pleased parent. You only brought an A- minus home?
my office is open for therapy later. You only brought a B plus? You get what I'm saying. Fill in the blank. Make it achievable and encourage. We don't want to live in it. Well, we're living in a culture where everyone who attends gets a prize. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about not frustrating my children, trying to impose my expectations on my... I was a football jock, so you're going to be a football jock. This is stupid. But we do things like that because we haven't grown up enough and we're not settled in our own nature to say he can be who he needs to be or she needs to be. So here... I mean, I've got, I've got five kids, right? I'm really mad none of them are black belts in karate. I'm really mad about it. No, I'm not. What I, I, actually, it was my daughter started me. She's got a brown belt, and then she's, she got married. You know how that messes everything up. And she stopped. But I'm not mad, but it's like, yeah, I would love that, but I'm not going to impose it. I'm called into ministry. I'd like God to call some of my kids into ministry. One, I think he did. And Christians beat the crud out of them, so they're not. Don't, ah, uh, it's not, ah. Uh. My point is, I'm not going to impose that on anybody. God has to call. Who has he made the true self to be? He has to deal with that, not me. Don't frustrate your children. Here's the one we hate hearing about. Raise them in the discipline of the Lord. Discipline means, Right? No, that's not what the word primarily means. In fact, I was going to have it on the screen. Well, it is on the screen, actually, if you want to look. The word that is translated discipline is padeia. Does that ring any bells? Pediatrics? Pedagogy? Anybody know what that word means? Pedagogy? A pedagogue? An instructor? When a, when a teacher learns a style of instruction, it's called pedagogy. This is his style of teaching. In the days of the Roman Empire and the Greeks also, often a slave was assigned to be a pedagogue or a, t- a teacher for the child because the father was busy with his stuff. So that slave would take that child to school and make sure he learns. But guess what? What he was responsible, what he had the responsibility of, of teaching that child was not just information. That's where we're totally messing up today. It's not just data, information, more technological savvy. It was moral rights and wrongs. It was how to take care of your health. It was how to be a man or a woman. All of that was folded into the pedagogy. That's the word for discipline there. Raise them in the instruction. The right word would be training. In fact, One of the pupils, the students, or what was called a nursling, isn't that interesting, a nursling, was Paduma. I wonder if Star Wars stole Padawan from that, you know? Oh, the little Padawan, they learned it, they got it right. Mm. They're learning everything about their lifestyle, right? Not just data. Sorry, I had to uh, digress. The last word. Raise them in the discipline, that is the training, the full training. Yes, that does imply, you know, boundaries and discipline. Yes. And by the way, I'm totally in favor. The instruction, the last word of the Lord is admonition as in warning, ethical and corrective instruction. 
There are several kinds of counseling. This is a freebie. I was actually encouraged to write a book about this. I don't know if I'll ever get to it. But there are different kinds of counseling we take people through. There's, there's um, straight-up um, emotional wounding and counseling you have to walk a person through. Sometimes there's a demonic stronghold you have to walk a person through. Sometimes they just need to be discipled. Here's what the Bible says. But this word is called neuthetic. And there was a Christian psychologist years ago named Jay Adams. Some of you may even recognize his name. And uh, his counseling style was called neuthetic because that's the word, neuthetics. And what it is is this is what's right, that's wrong, do this, stop doing that. How hard is that? It's yes. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it is. And when that doesn't work, because as a disciple I have the Spirit helping me, I should be able to say no to that. If I'm stuck, maybe I need some emotional healing. If I'm still stuck, maybe I'm up against a demonic stronghold. He said that in a Baptist church? Yes. And God is for us and he wants us to be free. Isn't that cool? So... This is a useful thing. Don't be intimidated by the weird world that we're living in. It'll work for your children. Stick to it. Trust him. Cast yourself completely on him. You will get some things wrong, but your job is you keep at it. You can do this, and I believe the Lord can help you. I have a little illustration about learning obedience. I think the best thing we can teach our children is a right response to correct authority. So I raised my children with this vision in my mind. I grew up in New York City. Sometimes you had to cross a a four to six lane highway, three going each way, and this was streets in New York. If I have my kids with me, I'm about to step off the curb with all my children. I say, let's go. And I look, and all of a sudden, some nut comes racing around the corner very rapidly, and we're not going to make it. I'm going to say to my children, let's get back on the sidewalk, and I don't want a debate and a committee meeting. Do it first, then we can talk about why after, so you're not dead. It's hard to talk to dead people. I was with a sister this week who was raised military, same thing, not pointing anybody out. But the father was military. If he said, duck, you ducked. Why? Because it might mean bullets are flying your way, okay? It's usually not that dramatic, but the principle is still the same. Respond first. We're doing our children a disservice when we don't do that. And we think, well, once they're adults, we can't do anything. Well, what's an adult, first of all? And second of all, yes, when my kids are out of my house, I told my kids at several points, when you move out and you're paying your own bills and you live on your own and I'm not footing the bill anymore, you can do whatever. You can spike your ear, put a pin right through your whole brain if you want to, uh, tattoo from head to foot. You can do it all, but on my watch, no. By the way, I'm not a bigot about any of those things. That's not my point. I want you to be mature enough to make up your mind, do the right thing, not regret. So I held that to ground. So one of my children went off to college. Thank God for tattletales. <laughs> A dear friend said, I saw something on Facebook. I went, oh, they told me what it was doing. The conversation basically went like this. <clears throat> do you like being in school? Yeah. Do you like eating? Mm-hmm. Like having a room, you don't have to live in a dumpster. You like that? Yeah? 
you're going to stop this or the well's going to dry up. Guess what? He stopped. And then came to his senses and never went back. I don't have to bother him about it. He got it. There's something about no. You may quote me on that. I'll go to the death on that. And we act like, I can't do anything. I said, that is not the spirit of Jesus. I can do something. Garrison Keeler will tell you, you know, parents are always good for guilt. <laughs> Got plenty of it, right? Any parents in the room have guilt? Oh, I don't have any. I'm lying. I have guilt, right? We all do. You can do this. God is for you. He didn't give children to perfect people. Everybody went, thank God. You can do it. The world doesn't have to win. It doesn't. But you can't play dead. You have to rise up in the power of the new man and woman that's in us in Christ. Right? I want to encourage you to have a wonderful Mother's Day. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer? If you're a visitor, you have any question about what we teach and all of that, there's little cards. Fill it out. Hand it to me. I'd love to sit down and dialogue with you about what the real good news is about. Let's pray together. God, bless your children today. Give them safety as they're out in this world. Uh, Let it be a day of celebration and enjoyment and your blessing. We'll thank you. In the great name of Jesus, our Savior, we ask it. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.